Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman. And to continue our Feast of St. Nicholas episode tradition, we've got questions for Bishop to answer from students at St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila. And so in addition to recording their questions, which are super cute, uh, we also asked them to record our opening prayer. And so here is the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, As she conceived of the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt upon us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy, worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, your Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen. All for Jesus through Mary. Beautiful. They, they threw a little extra on in there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Special thanks to Principal Andy Adams, 6th through 8th grade science and religion teacher Chad Helmkamp, preschool teacher Heather Taub, administrative assistant Joni Lazoff, and all the preschool through 8th grade students who helped make this episode possible. If you have a question for Bishop to answer on a future show, download the free Redeemer Radio app and select Ask Your Questions. Or go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, which is also where you can catch up on all our previous episodes. Also, today, before we get into the questions, you're heading to Rome. Yes, I fly later today. You know, every bishop of the world is required to um, make an odd limina visit to the tombs of Saints Peter and Paul and to give a report on the state of the diocese to the Vatican, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly to the Pope. It's supposed to be every five years, but the Pope's schedule is backed up, so it's really eight years since my last odd limina visit. So it's the bishops of the region, so the bishops of Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. We're region seven of the USCCB, so every day we'll be meeting with various Vatican offices and departments. And then actually on December 12th, 
which is the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, we meet with Pope Francis himself. And I understand that it's it's quite lengthy meeting, mm -hmm. a couple hours, and it's a kind of a, just an informal conversation, questions and answers, discussion. Uh, he'll have received a written summary of our quinquennial reports, the uh, report that we have to prepare, which is actually 21 chapters. It's a lot of work. Uh, the Pope reads a summary. He can't read right, all right. of them of every diocese in the world. But, you know, the different Vatican offices and departments will read the chapters that are relevant yeah. to what they're doing. So I'm looking forward to it. It's a beautiful time to go to Rome to uh, during the season of Advent. And, and certainly it seems really special to meet with the Holy Father on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. And we're hoping to concelebrate Mass with him because he's having a Mass that evening in uh, St. Peter's Basilica for Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I'm hoping we can celebrate that Mass for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I won't be back until the 14th or 15th. I forget when I fly back, but I'll also get to see our seminarians, three seminarians and one priest who are studying in Rome. I, I hope to take them out for dinner one night. Sure. So it'll be good. And I'll see some other friends who are living in Rome that I know from, you know, years when I was a student there. So I'm looking forward to it and get back to hopefully my Italian will come back a little yeah. stronger. So, yeah. All right. Well, definitely encourage people listening to keep you in their prayers as you go on that trip. And uh, are you ready for these questions? You know, I want to say a word to, uh, I hope the students from St. Mary's School in Avila are listening to uh -huh. the program. I love that school. Every year when I celebrate confirmation, often in my, well, always in my homilies, I ask the candidates, the students questions. Every year I'm blown away by St. Mary's Avila hmm. because all the hands go up. You know, they know all the answers. And I thought, wow, that's a school where somehow, I don't know what they're doing, but these kids are really know their faith well. Yeah. So just a little bit of praise for one of our little schools, you know, right. it's in, in one of our small towns, uh -huh. but they're doing uh, great teaching there. So, so yeah, I'm anxious to hear the questions of the children. Is this, are these children from all the different grades? Or? We've got a variety from preschool to eighth grade. So oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Our first question comes from one of the first graders. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Delaney, and I am in first grade at St. Mary's School. My question for you is, do you put your shoes out the night before St. Nicholas Day, and what does St. Nicholas bring you? Oh, thank you, Delaney. I used to put my shoes out the night before St. Nicholas Day. When I was a child, and every morning when I would get up, there would be candy, in the shoes. But honestly, I haven't been doing that in recent years. But when I was younger, yes. All and right. I, I, it's, a, it's a wonderful tradition. All right. We had uh, the preschoolers I mentioned also submitted some questions and they're still learning how to read. So the teacher, Heather Taub, drew a picture for each of the questions so she could remember what she was going to say. Hi, Bishop Prince. This is Karen. I'm in preschool at St. Mary's School. What was your favorite Christmas gift as a child? Oh, thanks, Caroline. Oh, I have to think about that. Oh, I know what my favorite gift it was. One year, Santa brought me a bicycle. <laughs> and I forget how old I was, but that was my favorite gift. And when I was a kid... 
I'd ride my bike every day. I love riding a bike. Now, I had to learn how to ride it first. I remember falling a couple <laughs> times, but didn't take too long. But I, I, uh, I loved riding a bike. I still like riding a bike today. All right. Next up, we have Jack. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Jack, and I am in eighth grade at St. Mary's School. My question is, when you were growing up, what was your favorite holiday and why? Thank you, Jack. Oh, you're eighth grade. I look forward to confirming you this spring. But I would say definitely Christmas was my favorite holiday growing up. I loved everything about Christmas. I love the, the Christmas music, singing Christmas carols. I especially was happy when we'd have snow at Christmas. Uh, my family would often go to midnight mass. We didn't have vigil masses the evening before when I was a child, the earliest Christmas mass you could go to would be midnight mass. And I remember how beautiful the music was. And of course, I enjoyed things like decorating the Christmas tree and, and Christmas morning, opening the presents. Definitely Christmas was my favorite holiday. And it still is today. All right. Next up, we have Caroline again. Hi, Bishop Brent. This is Caroline again. My question for you is, do you have any brothers or sisters? Oh, thanks, Caroline. Yes, I have an older brother who is four years older than me. And I have a younger sister, and she's five years younger than me. So I'm the middle child. So there were three of us. Thanks for that question. I think a good next question is Helen's question. Hi, Bishop Rose. My name is Helen, and I am in fifth grade at St. Mary's School. My question is, were you part of a close family growing up, and how do they like having a bishop in the family? Oh, thanks, <laughs> Helen. Yes, we were a very close family growing up, and not only my parents and my brother and sister, but also I was very close to my cousins and my aunts and uncles. As a matter of fact, one of my aunts, one of my mother's sisters lived right across the street with her husband. And so I was especially close to those cousins. So it was great to have the extended family. And we had a lot of fun together. I think they're really happy having a bishop in the family. <laughs> uh, they were happy when I was ordained a priest because I could celebrate baptisms and weddings and first communions and now confirmations of family members, of nieces and nephews and cousins. So um, family life is so important, and it's great when, we're, when we have close families. All right, next up we have Everett. Hi, my name is Everett, and I'm a kindergarten student at St. Mary's School. And I have a question for you. Where did you go to kindergarten, and who is your teacher? Thanks, Everett. I think you're going to be surprised by this answer. I never went to kindergarten. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's because I'm, I just turned 62 years old. When I was a child, the school I went to, which was a Catholic school in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, called St. Mary's School, didn't have kindergarten. And I don't think kindergarten was, well, kindergarten wasn't required back then. Right. So I started school in first grade, and I was five years old when I started first grade, which I think would be young today, right? Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. My first grade teacher was a religious sister named Sister Grace Isabel. Okay. So I remember her. Do you remember what order 
Sisters of St. Joseph okay. from Chestnut Hill, Pennsylvania, outside Philadelphia. And I had the Sisters of St. Joseph through 12 years of Catholic education. All all sisters, all, all your teachers? Mo well, I, there was only one lay teacher in grade school that I had in third grade, or was it? No, second or third grade, I can't remember. Um, but I had all the other classes, I had uh, sisters. And I'd say in high school, it was a mix of sisters of St. Joseph, sisters of St. Cyril and Methodius, and lay teachers. Hmm. All right, next up we have a question from Gabriella. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Gabriella, and I am a sixth grader at St. Mary's School. My question for you is, who were a couple of your favorite teachers in school, and what qualities about them made them your favorites? Wow, thanks, Gabriella. I had a sister who taught me in seventh grade. That was the year I received confirmation, and her name was Sister Anne Eucharistica, and she was young and 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 very vibrant. And I saw how joyful she was as a religious sister. So that's when I first started thinking maybe God was calling me to the religious hmm. life to be a religious brother or a priest. So that's a very good memory. And then in high school, there was another sister named Sister Joan Melly who taught English and religion. And uh, I really liked her because when I was in high school, I was kind of a leader uh, student council and all that, but I had some fear of public speaking and she helped me to overcome that fear, which is pretty good because I do a lot of public speaking now. <laughs> Came in handy. Um, so those are two sisters and, um, but there were other, other teachers who influenced me as well. But, but I would say those two really stand out. All right. And next up we have Regina. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Regina, and I'm in third grade at St. Mary's School. My question for you is, what was the first job you ever had? Regina, good question. McDonald's. My first job, and it was a, just a summer job. I had different jobs during the summers when I was in high school and in college. And the first one I had was cooking at McDonald's. And... Um, it was okay. Uh, I kind of got bored after a while, but I at least made some money. And uh, so thanks for that question. Did you have unofficial jobs before that, that you got paid a little bit for helping yeah. someone out with this or that? Yeah. Like, for example, just getting some allowance, cutting grass. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I delivered newspapers, too. Okay. Yeah, I did that. And that was kind of fun uh -huh. on my bike. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Paper boy. Yeah, I was a paper boy. All right. Well, coming up, we have more questions from the students at St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila, right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop who's answering questions that have been submitted by the students over at St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila. Our next question comes from Natalie. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Natalie, and I am in second grade at St. Mary's School. My question for you is, what was your favorite part of first your first communion? Thank you, Natalie. Well, you know, I think back of my first Holy Communion in second grade. 
I remember what we wore. It was kind of strange. We had like a a white gown with hmm. a, like a purple cape, and the the guys, and then the okay. girls had like a white gown and a yellow cape. I'd run around in it like Batman, but um, <laughs> the uh, but anyhow, I, I don't know why they had that outfit. Uh-huh. It was very weird, but I think it was just one of those periods that would have been in the 1960s. But anyhow, the favorite part was. I still remember the awe that I felt in receiving Jesus for the first time in Holy Communion. I remember how we were taught to have great reverence. We would kneel at the altar rail and receive Holy Communion and then go back to our pew and we would cover our faces with our hands back in those days Hmm. and just pray in thanksgiving. And I just remember it was a very sacred feeling that I had and just an amazing and awesome experience that that Jesus, the Son of God, had come into my heart, into my body through Holy Communion. So, yeah, it was um, a great memory. So thanks for that question, Natalie. All right. Our next question is from Jack. Hi, this is Jack again. My question for you is, what was your confirmation name, and why did you choose that name? Oh, thanks, Jack. I, I imagine you, you're probably thinking about what your confirmation name will be. I chose St. John the Apostle, and um, I love St. John's Gospel. It's just such a great gospel. But the reason that I chose St. John at that time was because I thought he was the closest friend of Jesus, that he was the only one who didn't abandon Jesus when he was arrested, and he was there at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I thought, yeah, he's the beloved disciple. He's Jesus's best friend, sat next to him at the Last Supper. So I wanted to be close to Jesus, and I thought, you know, like a close friend, and I thought, what better patron saint than, than Jesus's best friend, John the Apostle? All right, back to Natalie again. Hi, this is Natalie again. Who is your favorite saint? Thanks, Natalie. Um, I have so many favorite saints. This is always a difficult question. But I'd probably say, uh, if I had to narrow it down, it would be a contemporary saint, John Paul II. He was my hero when I was a seminarian and all through my priesthood. I loved to go over to St. Peter's and listen to him talk and attend his masses. And um, I just think he was um, a real gift from God as a pope for, uh, what was it, 25 years or so. And uh, I often ask for his prayers and his intercession. Speaking of saints, you also made a presentation recently at the USCCB about a potential new doctor of the church. Yes, I was uh, joking with some of my friends that I was the only one who got in what I presented a whole unanimous vote of all the bishops. (laughs) (laughs) That was uh, the the bishops, the Archbishop of Lyon in France has a petition to uh, the Holy Father to have St. Irenaeus declared a doctor of the church. And the bishops of France support this, and they are asking for other Episcopal conferences to support this petition. It's really interesting because St. Irenaeus, great second century apostolic father of the church, Mm -hmm. you know, most of us thought he already was a doctor of the church. So, I mean, he has, his writings are so wonderful and he was a martyr 
So I made a presentation to the bishops asking for their support of the French bishops in this uh, this petition, and there was a unanimous oral, uh, you know, voice vote mm-hmm. to uh, to support that petition. All right. Well, let's hand it back to Jack with another question. Hi, this is Jack again. What is your favorite feast day of the liturgical year? Oh, thanks, Jack. It's kind of like your other question was my favorite holiday. I'd say probably it would be the same. My favorite feast day of the liturgical year is also my favorite holiday, which is Christmas. Uh Um, Of course, Easter is the most important in the liturgical calendar because the day of Jesus's resurrection, which is also a great, wonderful feast day. But I would still say that Christmas is probably my favorite. All right. Next up, we have a fourth grader. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Allie, and I'm in fourth grade at St. Mary's School. My question for you is, when did you know that God was calling you to be a priest? Thanks, Allie. Well, I started thinking about it when I was in seventh grade at the time of my confirmation, but I didn't really know that God was calling me to be a priest until I was 19 years old and I was a sophomore in college. And that's the time when I applied to the seminary. That's when I felt in my heart that this was God's will for me. Okay, now we have Delaney again. Hi, this is Delaney again. When you became a priest, did you know that you wanted to be a bishop too? (laughs) Thanks, Delaney. Uh, No, I had no idea that I might be appointed a bishop, and I certainly didn't, didn't have any ambition to become a bishop. You really don't seek the office of bishop. That's something that the Pope asks you to do. So it's not something that you really should desire. So it wasn't anything that I uh, desired. Uh, It was something that uh, I was called to do by Pope John Paul II back in 2004. Okay. Now we have Eddie. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Eddie, and I am a seventh grader at St. Mary's School. What activities do you do on an average day as a bishop? Thanks, Eddie. It's kind of hard to to talk about an average day because my days vary a lot. I have a lot of different activities. I would say that one thing that's constant is my prayer in the morning and throughout the day. But some days I'm in my office doing work, having meetings. Other days I'm out visiting parishes, celebrating the sacraments and giving talks, visiting schools. So I have a lot of variety in my schedule. I'm always meeting with a lot of people, either in parishes or or different events that are going on throughout the diocese. And I try to get a little exercise when I can. I, I don't get enough time to do that. That's going to be one of my New Year's resolutions. Okay. And it's probably a New Year's resolution every year. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Eddie. All right. And here's Regina. Hi, this is Regina again. What was your favorite thing to do when you are not taking care of your bishop responsibilities? Oh, thanks, Regina. I like to spend time with family and friends, maybe go to an athletic event, a football game or a basketball game. Uh, And I also like to read. I enjoy reading. I also enjoy riding bike and, and playing sports, but I don't get much time to do that. Same bike that you got for Christmas? <laughs> no, but I got a new bike 
when I was when I came here to Indiana. As a matter of fact, someone gave me as a gift a gift card to a bike shop oh. in Fort Wayne. So so uh, that was a great gift. <laughs> and you know, there's great you know the paths along the rivers and all that. So yeah, there's great bike trails that I can use. I just need to go out. I just need to use it more. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you have questions for Bishop, you can ask it by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. You can call or text the Holy Cross College text line to 60-436-9598. And coming up, we have more questions from the students at St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services that save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and we have a bunch of questions from everywhere from preschool to eighth grade here. And covered, I feel like right now we've so far we've got a lot of background of school upbringing, priesthood, bishop. We'll see where it goes from here. Our next question is from Allie. Hi, this is Allie again. My question is, what is the most challenging part about being a bishop? Oh, thank you, Allie. Uh, yeah, there's there's different challenging parts. I think one challenging thing is that in our society, in our culture, more and more people don't go to church or even don't believe, some don't believe in God, and we see that growing. So, it's more challenging to try to help people to, to believe and to to do the work of evangelization. Another challenging part is, you know, there's human sins and weaknesses. So sometimes I have to, uh, there might be conflicts in parishes or people who aren't getting along with their priest or aren't getting along with each other and they'll call or write to the bishop and complain. So dealing with those kinds of issues are one of the, the difficult parts of being bishop. Okay. And on the other side of that coin is Caroline's question. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. This is Caroline again. What is your favorite part about being the bishop? Oh, thanks, Caroline. I think celebrating the sacraments, uh, especially the sacrament of, of holy orders, when I ordain new deacons and new priests, that's one of my favorite things but also celebrating confirmations and, and celebrating the Holy Eucharist every day. Of course, that's what priests do too, but that's still my favorite thing. And I love going out and meeting the people of our diocese in parishes and meeting so many of uh, the children and young people in our schools and just kind of being out among the people. That's really my, my favorite thing as bishop. All right, now we go back to Everett. Hi, Bishop Rhodes. My name is Everett, and I'm a kindergarten student. What time do you get up in the morning, and what time do you go to bed? Oh, that's good, Everett. I usually get up about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I usually go to bed around 10 o'clock. I used to be more of a night person, 
But as I've gotten older, I go to bed earlier and I get up earlier. So that's kind of changed in the past 10 years. So thanks for that question, Everett. What kind of alarm do you have? It's pretty much, I, I rarely have to set the alarm. Yeah. I just wake up at five. Now, if there is something really early, just to be on the safe side, I'll set the alarm. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Eddie. Hi, this is Eddie again. My question is, what type of books do you like to read? Do you have a favorite book? Hey, thanks, Eddie. I like, um, I, I like reading history. History is probably the favorite thing. I like biographies. I like reading the lives of the saints. And exactly what my favorite book is, after the Bible, of course, um, that's hard. I, I love the book Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. That's probably at least one of my favorite books. But I'd have to think about that a little bit more. I also love uh, St. Augustine's Confessions. That would be one of my top books, too. When did you first read those? Um, confessions, I was in college, and orthodoxy was when I was a seminarian in theology in Rome. So it might be a little hard for a elementary school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should probably. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'd recommend is, is uh, you know, reading on their level, you know, to read some of the lives of the saints. Sure. I think that's great to do. All right, next up, we have Gabriella again. Hi, this is Gabriella again. What is your favorite restaurant and why? Oh, Gabriella, that's a great question. But you know what? I have to be careful because we have a <laughs> lot of Catholics who have restaurants. And if I don't name their restaurant, I might get in trouble. And, you know, there's restaurants in Fort Wayne and South Bend. And I have my favorites in both places. Uh -huh. um, but I'll mention a couple of them just off the top of my head with an apology <laughs> to those that I don't mention or forget. I love Paula's seafood restaurant in Fort Wayne because uh -huh. I love their walleye and I like seafood. I would also mention in South Bend, I I like Elia's, which is a Lebanese restaurant. Okay, And um, yeah, I, I kind of like that Mediterranean style food. Yeah, and then there's others too, but um, I better not make a list because I'll be forgetting people. Sure. <laughs> All right, next up we have Helen. Hi, this is Helen again. To how many different states and countries have you traveled, and which one of them were your favorites and why? Thanks, Helen. Um, I never added up all the states that I've been to. Um, I would guess I've been to about probably more than half the states. Mm -hmm. um, countries, uh, I did add those up at one point. I think I've been to about 45 countries. Oh, wow. My favorites are the Mediterranean countries, Italy, where I lived, Spain, where I also spent a couple months. Greece would probably be my top place because I'm Greek and I love the Greek culture and the islands. It's beautiful. I have my relatives are there. And then just moving along the Mediterranean, I also, of course, love the Holy Land where our Lord lived as and worked and uh, walked. And Turkey, you know, some of those places where St. Paul and St. John lived. Uh, so that whole area, the Mediterranean area, is my favorite. So there might be some overlap with Delaney's question here. Hi, this is Delaney again. Where is your favorite place to go on vacation and why? 
Thanks, Delaney. Um, well, I usually on vacation don't get to do overseas travel. Most of the time when I go overseas, it's it's for it's related to my work as a bishop, like okay. Catholic relief services or mm-hmm. the odd limit of visit to Rome. If I was doing an overseas vacation, it would be to the Mediterranean. But in the United States, really, I love the ocean, which is kind of funny. I got moved further away from the ocean when uh-huh. I came to Indiana, although I'm starting <laughs> to appreciate the lakes. But um, when I have vacations in the United States, especially with family and friends, I like to vacation at the ocean. And and usually a little further south now than New Jersey, because I like the warmer water. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next up we've got Helen. Hi, this is Helen again. What are some of the most beautiful churches you have seen? Oh, thanks, Helen. You know, I would say Rome is filled with beautiful churches. The four major basilicas, St. Peter, St. Peter's, St. Paul outside the walls, St. John Lateran, St. Mary Major, and and really the hundreds of churches in Rome are are just magnificent. So they would probably be some of the most beautiful. I'd also mention some of the beautiful Gothic cathedrals uh, in Northern Europe, like in Cologne, Germany, or Notre Dame in Paris, Mm -hmm. which of course had the fire, or Chartres Cathedral in France. Those would be some of the most beautiful churches that I've seen. All right. Well, if you have any questions for Bishop, you can ask them at RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. Call or text the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. And coming up, we've got more questions from the students at St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman, here with our bishop who is answering questions that have been submitted by the students of St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila. And our next question comes from Eddie. Hi, this is Eddie again. What is your favorite hymn to sing in church? Oh, Eddie, that's a tough question to narrow down. You know, I probably, one of my favorite hymns is in Latin. It's called the Ave Verum Corpus. It's a a hymn in which we give praise to Jesus in the Eucharist. Ave Verum Corpus means hail the true body of Christ. I'd say what I love the most about hymns are those that help me to pray. And sometimes it's beautiful Gregorian chant really can raise my my mind and my heart to God. And some choirs in our diocese have um, sing, you know, such beautiful chant. When it comes to more contemporary music, um, I, I kind of like the praise and worship style music. Just uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis. There were over 20,000 teenagers from around the country and about 70 from our diocese. And a couple of the hymns that they had at Mass were the praise and worship style. And it really kind of uh, helped me to pray, lifted Hmm. up my spirit to the Lord. So I'm kind of a mixture of traditional Uh and contemporary. But I would say when it comes to contemporary music, it would be more the praise and worship style that I prefer to some of the other things that we find in our hymnals. I love 
you know, more robust hymns, for example, like For All the Saints or Come Holy Ghost or Holy God, We Praise Thy Name. You know, some of those um, traditional hymns with the organ and that that can be so uh, beautiful also. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a diversity of liturgical music and everyone has their own taste, but those would be uh, kind of like what my taste is. All right. Next up, we have Allie. Hi, this is Allie again. What is your favorite prayer or devotion? Allie, thanks. The rosary. I love praying the rosary at different times. I love to pray the rosary when I'm out walking or hiking or when I'm driving my car or just in the quiet of my chapel. I would have to say the rosary is my favorite prayer. Okay, now back to Everett. Hi, my name is Everett, and I'm a kindergarten student at St. Mary's School. And I have a question for you. What is your favorite Bible story? Oh, thanks, Everett. I would say ever since I was your age, my favorite Bible story was the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. So I don't know if you, you've you read that in kindergarten, but you know you might ask your teacher and learn that story about Joseph where you know, his brothers sold him into slavery, and then he was in Egypt, and he ended up being freed from slavery and becoming like second to the Pharaoh in, as the leader of, of the Egyptians. So anyhow, I've always been fascinated by the story of Joseph of the Old Testament. Which is different than Joseph of the Holy Family, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Different right. Joseph. Exactly. All right. Next up, Gabriella. Hi, this is Gabriella again. My question is, what book of the Bible do you enjoy reading the most? Thanks, Gabriella. I would say the Gospel of St. John, because it's the most profound, I think, of the Gospels. And uh, it's just so rich in meaning and symbolism and you know, St. John just got to the very heart of the mystery of Jesus. So I would say St. John's gospel is my favorite. Okay. Now we have another question from Natalie. Hi, this is Natalie again. My question is, can dogs and cats go to heaven? Oh, Natalie, you know, that's an interesting question because the church, as far as I know, doesn't have any official teaching Hmm. on whether animals can go to heaven. Now, I was reading an author, uh, a philosopher, a good Catholic philosopher, who who answered that question and said, why not? In other words, he says that maybe animals do go to heaven. And one of the authors that he quoted was C.S. Lewis, who speculated on this question. C.S. Lewis was a great Christian writer. And he was speculating, which means he didn't know for sure, but this is his opinion that, you know, we have angels in heaven, and of course we have human beings in heaven. What about those who are animals? God could save them too. We read about a new heaven and a new earth. Mm -hmm. So as part of the new earth, maybe there are animals So this author I mentioned, C.S. Lewis, believed that animals are saved in their masters as part of their extended family. In other words, that pets, cats and dogs, you know, the tamed animals would be saved in that way as part of the life of the human beings. 
that this would be, since heaven is our greatest joy, this would be part of the joy of heaven. God can raise up, you know, could raise up pets, uh, dogs and cats. He would have the power to do that. Again, we don't know for sure, but as this uh, writer that I read said, why not? It's possible. All right. Next up, we've got Regina. Hi, this is Regina again. My question is, did Jesus have a last name? No, he didn't. They didn't have last names back then. I mean, they would usually say the place that they were from. So he would be named, he would be called Jesus of Nazareth, mm-hmm. or they might say Jesus, son of Joseph, mm-hmm. but not an exact uh, last name like we have. They didn't have those back then. Now, when we say Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ means Messiah the anointed one. So it's really a title for Jesus. It's not a name Mm -hmm. per se. All right. Well, thank you to Principal Andy Adams, to junior high science and religion teacher, Chad Helmkamp, preschool teacher, Heather Taub, and administrative assistant, Joni Lazoff, for all their assistance making this possible. Thank you to the students at St. Mary of the Assumption School in Avila for their questions. And thank you, Bishop, for taking some time to answer them as well. One of the things that you, we mentioned a little bit, and I I thought maybe we could talk a little bit more about St. Irenaeus. You mentioned the impact that he had and that there's a proposal that he would become a doctor of the church. Can you explain a little bit what it means to be a doctor of the church? A doctor of the church, first of all, is a saint. So the person has to be a saint Mm -hmm. to be named a doctor of the church. But besides their holiness, they were great teachers or scholars of the faith. They would be men or women who really had profound spiritual wisdom and scholarship, you know, that they were, they were great teachers like St. Augustine mm-hmm. or St. Thomas Aquinas or St. Bonaventure. Their writings are incredible. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Mm-hmm. Catherine of Siena. I mean, they had such insights into the mysteries of our faith. And I think there's 36 or 37 doctors of the church now. But St. Irenaeus was one of the earliest scholars of the church, and he was born somewhere between uh, the year 120 and 130 AD. And he was a disciple of St. Polycarp. Polycarp was a bishop and a martyr. So Irenaeus kind of learned from Polycarp. Now, interestingly, Polycarp was a disciple of St. John the Apostle. Hmm. So think of that line. Yeah. St. John, St. Polycarp, and then St. Irenaeus. Right. But what's so fascinating about Irenaeus is he became a missionary, well, was ordained and sent to Gaul, which is present-day France. And he was a bishop in Lyon. He was the second bishop of Lyon, the bishop before him, was was martyred. And so we call him St. Irenaeus of Lyon. And in his writings, which are pretty incredible, uh, you know, second century, he wrote about various things, especially the unity of the church and the unity of salvation history, the unity of the Old and New Testaments. But 
interestingly, he focused on the importance of apostolic tradition. He talked about the importance of unity with the successors of the apostles, the bishops. And he wrote about the preeminence of the church in Rome and the bishop of Rome. And if we want to stay in the true faith, we need to be united with the tradition of the apostles. And the tradition of the apostles is what's been preserved in the apostolic churches, especially Rome. So I'm hoping Pope Francis will accept the petition of the French bishops and the U.S. bishops and all the rest who are supporting Irenaeus becoming a, a doctor of the church. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for answering our questions. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thank you again to the teachers and the students at St. Mary's School in Avila. Thank you for your great questions. And I wish you all a very happy Feast of St. Nicholas. Next week, Bishop Rhodes wraps up his series on Old Testament prophets, this time focusing on Daniel. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.